On behalf of our parish family, I wish you all a happy Easter, for he is risen. He is risen indeed. Right before this Mass, the priest and our seminarian, Will Young, went out to dinner, and Father Dan said, I was going to get a Coke, but I'm afraid that the caffeine will keep me awake during your homily. (laughs) Father Joe, if he even bobs his head, knock his lights out. Also, right at the beginning of this Mass, as uh, we were starting the Exalted, that long chant that's very complicated, and all these complicated things, my watch buzzed and it said, it's time to relax. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's been a very prayerful week at our parish, and I'm thrilled that so many have taken part in what is essentially one liturgy that has taken place over three days. That is, Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil. You know, just before the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday, it's tradition to stop all church bells. Bells are a regular forward-thrusting reality on this campus here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. They ring every 15 minutes, and they toll on the hour. Sometimes they stress me out when I have deadlines, frankly. Thursday morning, I shot shot out of bed absolutely convinced that I'd overslept for 6.30 Mass as the bells were ringing furiously. And I remembered that we don't have 6.30 Mass on Holy Thursday. And I stubbed my toe in the process, and I said, thank you, Jesus, for allowing me the opportunity to suffer with you. Okay, I didn't say that. I said some other things that you don't want to know about. They also told daily at 3 p.m. as a reminder of our Lord's suffering and death, as well as noon and 6 p.m., reminding me of the tradition that I learned as a Catholic grade school student to pray the Angelus and meditate daily on the Incarnation. The bells chime the Salve Regina at 10 p.m., an ancient hymn to Mary associated with the night prayer that reminds me, look, you need to wrap it up and go to bed. They ring daily at 6.30 and 8, and they currently ring nine times on Saturday and Sunday to call people to Sunday Mass. We also have a bell choir. We have consecration bells. Bells ring for weddings and funerals. We play Christmas carols and Easter hymns. Once, one of our volunteers meant to play a funeral toll, but played Joy to the World by mistake. That didn't work. People were not happy. So it's strange that from Holy Thursday until the singing of the Gloria, which we just did, during the Easter Vigil, there are no bells. It's eerily silent, especially when you live next door. Something's off. Something's unresolved. The consequence of the human betrayal of the Son of God. In a strange way, time seems to be suspended as we wait and watch and pray for the Father's response to the scandal of the cross. There's an ancient Holy Saturday homily in the Office of Readings on Saturday morning, this morning, that has the same uneasiness minus the bells. Something strange is happening, the preacher says. There is a great silence on the earth today, a great silence and stillness because the king is asleep. You know, it must have been stressful for Jesus' followers during those days. One can see the grieving apostles pacing around quietly in the upper room, wondering if they had wasted three years in light of the events on Calvary. 
One might also imagine the restless finger tapping of Mary Magdalene and the woman, the women who waited and watched as well. In their case, they waited for a chance to dash to the tomb for consolation. After all, it was a Jewish belief that a deceased person's spirit hovered around the body for three days until it no longer recognized its body due to decay or discoloration. Consequently, a visit to the tomb with, within those three days was important. Yes, things were still tense that first early morning, so Mary and the others set out. Jesus' family and friends and foes alike knew that Jesus died on Good Friday. Crucifixion, after all, was horrific, a deterrent to insurrectionists. Jesus was also scourged, mocked, and crowned with thorns, public testimony of Roman power over the little people, so to speak. And that's why crosses were ten feet high. They were meant to be seen. In reality, Jews believed various things about the dead, of which Jesus was now a member. The most optimistic thought that the death dead would rise at the end of time. And we hear this from Martha after Lazarus' death. Others, like the Sadducees, oh yes, the grouchy Sadducees, thought that the dead simply turned to dust. The Book of Wisdom purports that the souls of the just are in the hands of God. Others believe that souls went to Sheol, a shadowy underworld. First century Jews had no clear indication than Jesus' death on the cross that he was not the Messiah. For the Messiah was to conquer Israel's enemies, and that's what we thought. His death at the, end, at the hands of the Romans proved that he was a fraud. This is what Easter, why Easter is so stunning. What Mary found put her in shock. An empty tomb and a witnessing angel and other gospel accounts the resurrected Christ himself. It was explosively earth-shattering. Resurrection was impossible. But it happened. Scattered throughout the accounts of Jesus' resurrection is proof that it wasn't sort of a mythological story that should begin with once upon a time. For Jesus ate and he drank with them, including a piece of fish along the seashore after he started a charcoal fire there. The apostles examined the nail marks in his hands and his feet and put their hands into his side. He walked with two of them to Emmaus. Yes, God pushed back. In raising Jesus from the dead, he tells the powerful of this world that, in fact, he is the most powerful. His reign lasts forever. And despite the seeming finality of the crucifixion on Calvary and the seeming vice grip control of evil in the world, there is a new reality in Jesus Christ. The disciples' first reaction is fear, for obvious reasons, eyewitnesses present on Good Friday grieved his loss and the dream that would, the world would be different. But now, reports circulated that he was alive. Perhaps they were afraid because they were expecting God to respond in retribution on good, for Good Friday. After all, it's what we would do. 
just like a formula and a retreaded over and over in all those superhero movies. That is, all is well and then evil emerges and then superpowers and superheroes respond violently and then order is restored. But God is so different from us, my brothers and sisters. Jesus responds with mercy and forgiveness. Peace be with you, he says. It's the same greeting that he offers us when we return to him after a life of sin. Peace be with you. He teaches us that God's mercy is greater than our evil. And by his crucifixion and from the cross, Jesus reached out to those in the worst of circumstances and affords them the most precious of gifts, and that was the gift of hope. We must never forget, then, that resurrection is the essential building block of who we are as Christians. St. Paul says, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is in vain, and we are the most pitiable of people. But if he has been raised from the dead, and he is who he says he is, he must become the absolute centerpiece of our lives. There is no middle ground. The absolute centerpiece of our lives. There was no middle ground for the early Christians. Their response to the empty tomb and the risen Christ was to carry this belief and the truth that flowed from it to their early graves. Think about it. Many of those early witnesses of the resurrected Christ became martyrs. And they didn't die for a parable or a story or a myth. They died for this particular truth about a particular person that they knew intimately and came to know as the Son of God. There are 51 people who profess their belief that Jesus is who he says he is this evening. They will profess that Jesus is the Messiah and that he rose from the dead. So even though Jesus was seen as a messianic failure on Good Friday, Christianity emerged as a messianic movement on Easter Sunday and spread rapidly throughout the known world, starting with the women who report the news to the apostles, most particularly St. Peter. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and the permanent sign that God does not give up on his people, prompting Mother Teresa to say, never, never let anything distress you so that you forget the joy of the resurrection, for there is always hope. So let us rejoice on this night, for he is risen He is risen indeed.